episode of Cross Street Coaching. We are a podcast about leadership, personal and professional development, and business, all from a coach's point of view. And today we're actually live. Yes. All together, on site. In the heat. In the heat, in California, with a guest. Special guest special guest as we keep going along on our project, The Reluctant Entrepreneur, which has been Diana Ideas, my co-host. Thank goodness. It is our flavor of entrepreneurship. So we have described this as business and starting a business, not for the people that are like, I was born to do a business (laughs) and not for the people like I can't work for anyone, but for everyone else in between. And we call it the reluctant entrepreneur. Yeah. Maybe a little kicking and screaming. And so we have Michelle with us here and not in the studio. We're actually in her studio. (laughs) In Michelle's studio. But yeah, so I just want to give a shout out to Michelle, who's one of the first people that I met as I moved to this area and has just been an amazing support to me personally and professionally. If you love the wildness of Hawthorne Union's website, anything you don't love is not her fault. But anything you do love, <laughs> she's amazing. And <laughs> she helped us design it and keep it going and um, and is just an invaluable resource to me personally and professionally. So super excited to be here with Michelle and I'll let her introduce herself and talk a little bit more about what she does. Thank you, Diana. Hey, I'm Michelle Rempel. I'm the owner of West Vine. We're a little marketing and web development company in Grover Beach, California. We're on the coast. Um, and it's just been a pleasure to get to know Diana and Hawthorne Union, all the all the folks that are there. So I'm excited to be on this today. Oh, we're happy to have you as well. So you kind of heard our intro, our yeah. pitch, right, yeah. about what this is all about. What kind of comes up for you when we talk about being a reluctant entrepreneur in this kind of side business? Because I noticed you had made a face as I was going through the <laughs> intro and I was like, oh, I can't wait to find out what that means. So yeah. <laughs> what's coming so, up? Well, I am often a reluctant entrepreneur for sure because, I mean, I I started out my career in education and um, made some life changes um, that led me down the path of becoming an entrepreneur. And it was kind of pushed and prodded a little bit, not a little bit, quite a bit (laughs) into that path. I relate to this. Yes. (laughs) Um, And it was just a wild, woolly world that I really had no idea what all was involved. You know, when you hear about like starting a business, you think, oh, how hard can it be? (laughs) You don't have to work for anybody else. And then you realize, holy crap, there is so much involved in being your own, you know, to having your own business. And so there are parts of it that I love, but there's parts of it that do make me reluctant. (laughs) And here I am like 12 years later. 12 years later. It's amazing. And I'm still can be very much reluctant on certain days or in certain situations. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we've, I've definitely talked to several people that have made big career transitions. So I'm interested. What would cause you to do this huge shift? I mean, was it like an eat, pray, love vibes where you had a very like internal like realization where like, you know what I, my passion is for marketing. Right. Right. Well, okay. So for a lot of people, it was more of a change in a relationship and uh, geography. Mm-hmm. So um, I left 
California and I moved to Illinois and I married my current husband and he was actually in business for himself already in the technology sector. So um, when I moved, I was getting kind of tired of education. I I had been an administrator at that time and um, I was like, you know, I think it would be okay for me to make a change. I'd already been really involved in technology when I was in education. So it just seemed like, yeah, I can join his company. And then um, 2008 hit. (laughs) And uh, yeah, so over almost overnight, we lost a couple of really big clients because they were shut. They had to shut down because the economy just tanked and they didn't, they couldn't afford us anymore. So we really, I hate the word pivot, but we pivoted hard. (laughs) And we had already started down the path of web development at that point. And so we took on the whole, back in 2008, 2009, social media was just starting. And our clients were starting to ask us about adding that to what we were doing for the website. And so we really started learning fast on all things marketing. We hired we hired someone to teach us everything about digital marketing, and we just jumped in from there. So- Interesting. I didn't even realize it was a customer request. It wasn't even how you started yes, out. Yes, it was because people, you know, at that point, marketing and technology were seen as part of the same world. Before that, they really weren't. You know, not really. I mean, it was starting to become that way. But when social media came on, it was like people just thought of technology websites. Oh, well, you must also do this. (laughs) And so, you know, it's kind of at that point. Yeah, where marketing all just kind of moved into the realm of technology. And um, yeah, it was a really interesting shift. Twitter was the first for us. And then it went from there. Yeah, really weird, (laughs) really strange and reluctant in many ways. Yeah. Certain, any specific kind of moments of significant reluctance or even pivots that you had to make in this journey? Well, the one, one of the big parts for, of reluctance for me is the whole sales thing. Sure. Um, you know, when you don't relate to that at all. No, (laughs) I'm sure. Never, never. When I was in education, although, um, so my role in education was I was at the adult school level. And so I was kind of unique because as an administrator, I was actually responsible for trying to recruit students as well in a way. But for the most part, they just still came to us. Right. So it wasn't like we were, you know, dinged if we didn't have enough enough students or anything like that. We like to increase our numbers, but it wasn't. You know, it was public school, so it wasn't <laughs> that big of a deal. But coming on to become an entrepreneur, you're like, oh. Oh, I need people uh, to want to pay me their money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I kind of have to do this. They aren't just coming to me anymore. Uh, this is interesting and not fun and awkward. Um, you know, it was just a really awkward transition for me to have to make. And um, I was really, yeah, very much reluctant to the whole sales process. And I still am. I mean, that's not definitely not a part of being an entrepreneur that I relish. Whereas there's other people I talk to and they love it. Don't see that happening for me ever. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like 12 years in. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it, but you have a proficiency, right? I mean, some yeah. I mean, some things some things to me is like, what do I need to develop a proficiency in? Because it may not ever be a passion. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Proficiency. Like administration. <laughs> yes. Proficiency versus passion. It's okay. Yeah. This totally reminds me of one of my favorite moments in the original Ghostbusters. It's in the very, very beginning. And it's a throwaway line. <laughs> I love this. Where they are getting kicked out of the university, you know, with the grant money. And he goes, you've never worked in the private sector. They expect results. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I and love it's, that. Yeah, it's such a nothing throwaway line, but that reminded me of that. 
That's so true. So as we kind of explore your transition from education and into this scary world of sales, was there anything that you actually felt very, very well prepared for by having a different background than a non-traditional like sales or business role? Yeah. The one thing that my, and I should say our, but we're talking about me. So my clients tell me is that they really appreciate my approach to explaining things. Of course. Because, education. Yeah. Because of my educational background, that's just hardwired into me. And so I really want our clients to understand what we're doing for them, why we're doing it for them. And really the, well, I mean, yeah, the reasoning behind things um, is really important to me. And I also am, you know, when you're in education, you should be fascinated, I would hope, about your subject matter. And what I find working with clients is I become very fascinated with what my clients are doing and at either their services or their products or a combination of both. You know, it's just so cool to learn about what they're doing and the innovation that many of them have come up with. I have learned so much about all the amazing companies out there. It's just cool. I love that. And I'm always fascinated and I'm always learning. So I think they appreciate that. As I mean, there could be an advantage to that as well, right? So because if I go to an industry that I'm not very knowledgeable about, so for example, there's an auto parts store, you know, down the street here. And, you know, I'm the kind of person where if there's something wrong with my car, I'm going to open up the hood and like stare at it. But I have no idea what I'm looking for. If I ever have to go to an auto parts store, they always like, can you help? Do you need help with anything? And I'm like, uh, I don't want to embarrass myself. So I say no. And I wonder if maybe your educational background is understanding that people can come to a marketing service with an idea, but not articulate. And that may be more comfortable for your clients and customers coming to you because you're so invested in explaining and helping them understand and be that resource to educate right. as well. Yeah. I mean, that can be great leverage. Yeah. Something um, somebody said to me actually this morning, um, I was in networking sales, <laughs> <laughs> but he said, you know, uh, you combine um, business with creativity really, really well. And that is not always that's kind of, he said anyway, he thought that that was kind of rare. And I, yeah, I took that as cool. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I do. I love to try to help explain things, make it as comfortable a process as possible. So speaking of creativity, Michelle, not only is the owner of Westvine, but also Window to Waves. Like, do you consider that an entrepreneurial venture? I mean, she's an artist and produces things and sells them for money. So in some ways, you're, you're not only a reluctant entrepreneur, you're a reluctant serial entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It is. It's so funny because other than farming, which is a business, there really aren't other business owners in my family. So it really was, it, we're all like educators or maybe, you know, or we work for somebody else. I mean, that's just everybody in my family. And um, so being, yeah, being a serial entrepreneur is just really unusual because I didn't have anything, no mo no models really. Um, but what I did find was, and I think a lot of people find this out when they own a business, is that it becomes easier to own another one or it becomes easier to go, oh, well, I know I how to do that. Yeah, I, I can yeah. do that. Oh, why not? You know, let's 
do that too. So yeah, yeah, I love, um, you know, so Windows to Waves is more of a not as reluctant. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think as, that's some of it too. And I yeah. wonder if it's even the creative element. Yeah, yeah. I mean, marketing can be really, really creative, um, obviously. But yeah, actually doing the hands-on art is an awesome outlet. And I'm really happy that I found that about three and a half years ago. So there's a whole story behind that too, but I won't go into that one. Are yeah. you sure? You <laughs> yeah, can. I'm sure. It's fine. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Other than, you know, I just have to mention my husband and partner, Fred, he was like, oh, you can do that. And I was like, are you sure? And he said, yeah. And so then it went from there. Nice. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, and that's sometimes too, like we've talked about that, like support and having someone who is more comfortable in sales, because I know he's more comfortable on the sales side. Sometimes those of us who are a little bit more reluctant need that. Absolutely. (laughs) So one thing that's coming to mind for me is like Michelle has been integral in my journey as a reluctant entrepreneur. And I remember the moment when essentially we were like COVID hit. Oh, Michelle and I were like, okay, are we safe enough to meet in person? So we're like six feet away, like at this, like these benches by the beach and, you know, kind of looking at each other like WTF, like what are we supposed to do? Right. Because, you know, it's when your clients don't have money to pay you. I mean, in some ways it was, it's 2008, but affected the whole world. Right. And my takeaway on that, and actually I think that's part of when I leaned in deeper to entrepreneur life, I was like, well, at least nobody can fire me. Right. Right. You know, because having people, People that I cared about who either were laid off and unexpected to me, it was very much like, oh, well, the illusion of safety is not safety. And maybe this is something that's sustainable from a life perspective. So that just comes to mind because it's like, I, I think that was a moment where I actually leaned in and had less reluctance. So I don't know if there's other moments for you or if you had your own kind of experience um, as you are reluctant and work through it anyway. For second market disruption. Yeah, Major exactly. I mean, disruption. talk about resilience. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you really, yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, well, I mean, everybody can recount what a weird time that was. Um, and we actually lost, temporarily lost some clients then um, because they were shut down because sure. of the business they were in. So they were like, well, we're shut down. We don't have any money to really pay you for marketing. And besides, what would you market? We're not doing anything. And so that was really scary. But at the same time, it didn't really feel that much different than if I'd had a a job, right? Because same thing could have happened and was happening all over the place. So it was was like, okay, well, here we are. Let's do this. I mean, you pivot. I know. You do. (laughs) I I hate the word, but it's true. (laughs) It is true. Yeah. It doesn't make it not true. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just interesting though, because at least for Hawthorne Union, thankfully, you know, this is this is a point where diversification matters. Um, but I didn't, I didn't see any new business for maybe six or seven months. Yeah. And thankfully I had enough clients and enough industries that were okay. Um, but it was, you know, seven months later when new clients started coming back, it was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That was, we, we started to see people coming back and actually using the time to work on their own marketing, you know, because most of our clients are other businesses as well, or business owners as well. So they started to go, well, if this is a slow time, maybe we should work on revamping our site or doing, you know, trying something else and marketing like, like Instagram or let's do something different. So yeah, but it was still, it was scary. So some of the things that we've talked some about the show is, is, is I think perhaps my reluctance in some ways served me because maybe I was cautious or more careful or had more resources or support. So I'm curious if like knowing your own kind of reluctance in the business and how much you've had to pivot, do you see a way that maybe that's even helped you be successful? 
Um, well, I mean, I, I learned that nothing, I, I've learned that nothing is for sure. And that when you think that your client load is full and great and things are going great, that the rug can be pulled out from under you and lose a client for whatever reason. It may not even be something that you did. Sure. Um, maybe they're having financial difficulties or whatever. And so, yeah, you you learn that you have to keep planning ahead. You have to keep um, innovating, learning, which is no problem for me. Um, and just you have to keep looking at your industry and saying, okay, what is around, you know, what's on the horizon? What should I be planning for? What are the trends that I'm seeing? Do I need to what do I need to do about that? And that as soon as as soon as the times that we've kind of stopped doing that are the times that we go, whoops, we kind of missed that boat. <laughs> we really we should have been doing whatever to forecast or watch. So you can never really get too comfortable. I'm not sure if I answered the question correctly, but yeah, that's I mean, it sounds like that that reluctance or caution or care is part of why 12 years later, you're still in business. Right. Yes. Yeah. And we've definitely been through major ups and downs during those times. So I'd love to kind of ask more of a broader question about that and then drill down into an actual marketing side. Because I think that when some people are hearing what you're talking about, going through two big major financial market disruptions, they go, well, that's why it's super risky. That's why I definitely can't. And it feeds into their reluctance. But you're saying you've actually distilled some things to sustain no matter what's happening in the market. Yeah. And you said specifically, like forward thinking, you know, kind of forecasting, um, innovation and learning. How did you know that those three things are what your business should be doing? That's a great, that is a great question. Um, I guess looking at other businesses, talking to somebody or, you know, being coached by somebody like Diana, for sure. You know, meeting with other business owners, meeting with business coaches, reading, uh, just watching what's going on is really key. Um, I, I think my, for me, it just came down to being open to learning and but also talking to people like for again, like Diana and just talking it through and going, OK, here we are. What do we need to do next? So being open, I think being open to other people's input, being talking it out is really important. I think, too, as like as you described that, I think some of what you were also describing, though, is Michelle. Like, I feel like our businesses should look like us and your innovation and curiosity and openness to new ideas it doesn't surprise me that that's what's helped your business be successful because I think that's also just you doing what you're good at. Yeah, I mean, I think it, that is a great point. I think you have to, your business does tend to reflect who you are. I, I, I mean, they're also universal themes. Yeah. But I think as, as Jason said that, I'm like, oh, that's Michelle. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it, your business does end up reflecting who you are for better or for worse. Yeah, um, sometimes it's for worse. <laughs> well, you also said that you lean into learning, which is nothing difficult for you. Right. That's so, true. Yeah. The, the accumulation of knowledge. Yes. Yes. It's very weird that you started in education yes. and now we're back to learning. <laughs> yes. um, that is something personally that that just is has always been your passion or yes, what's always. going on here? Yes, yeah. always, always. Uh, 
I'm the kind of person who, uh, if somebody one wonders something out loud, I'm the <laughs> one who annoyingly, because I'm a five and a nine in the Enneagram, they're like neck and neck, right? So I am the person who annoyingly pulls out my phone and starts researching whatever somebody... Not even annoyingly, because then she has the answer. And that's the thing. She'll do it quietly. And then after the meeting, it'll be like a whisper of like, this is why that happened. And you're like, yes, Michelle. I have been told, however, by some people that it's kind of annoying. But it's just, yeah, it is part well, of who I am because I'm just your fascinated. Your not on the podcast. No, today. actually, my husband is not annoyed. It's another family member that gets annoyed. So okay. we, we don't need to talk about that. So. <laughs> so can I ask some marketing stuff? Sure. So you've helped, you know, you are a, more of a business to business service. Yes. And so you said forecasting, which to me, as someone that says marketing, you know, there's never ending new platforms never. Never. and new services. Oh, well, you like TikTok. Well, there's also Twitter spaces and there's this and that. And there's never ending stuff. So how do you properly, if someone is thinking about their business and starting it up and trying to think about, well, what is three to six months ahead look like? How do they even do that when there's always like every two weeks, there's something new, a feature to start marketing and another pay a thread to pay attention to and LinkedIn and Facebook, Facebook yeah, and Facebook paralysis. Reels and Instagram, this and that, and just I've on and on. I've never heard of most of these things, people. Well, <laughs> And did you know that Pinterest also has idea pins? Oh, man. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I, I would love to know from a marketing perspective how you forecast when there is so much shiny ball syndrome and there's a ridiculous, very high churn of innovations, products that are being greenlit and sunset and so on and so forth. Because I think that is a very good tactical question for people that are starting businesses. Yeah, that's... Oh, man, that's such that's a great question as well. So for me or for us, what it goes back to is talking to the client, asking really good questions of the client about what is their business? Who are they? What do they want to devote time to? And what do they feel comfortable with? And who is their target market? You know, it, it really comes down to just asking a lot of questions because I could tell them that. TikTok is the thing that they should be doing or whatever, reels, whatever the case may be. But if they cannot devote time or energy or both to doing video, for example, it is not for them because they're going to start it and they're just going to be unhappy about it. So so how do you forecast it? It's finding out who the client is, who are their, what are their products and services, who is their target market, and where are they as a business Um where where are they where are they in terms of their are they at a startup are they established um do they have funds <laughs> do they have time you know it really it really comes down to finding out where they are and then telling talking to them about the possibilities um sometimes the shiny the shiny ball as it were is just not appropriate for for them or at least not at this time because they don't have the resources to to do it so let's start simple. Maybe maybe we have to start simple. Maybe it's just a website and some article writing or whatever. Maybe we can work towards some of those other things as they get more successful, they feel more comfortable, or they hire somebody that can help, or they hire us for some things. You know, it just really depends. Because yeah, it's exhausting, honestly, to keep up with it all. And so that's the other thing about it is you really have to determine, 
okay, there's all these things that we have to know or feel like we should know. Is it good to know everything? Maybe not. Maybe we be honest and say, you know what, this thing over here is really not what we specialize in. Why don't you try this business over there? And try not to be everything to everybody because then you're setting yourself, your business and yourself up for possible failure and not good referrals or, you know, good work in the community, right? Sure. So you really have to just distill it down. Yeah, I think it's also knowing like, know, know thyself and know when it's time to outsource because right. there's the point at which, you know, cash is king and maybe cash is always king, but then at a certain point, time is king, yeah. <laughs> right? And so, you know, I feel like such essential services, you know, people need a CPA. Um, for the most part, it's good to have a lawyer, but it seems like also then marketing if not before those things, is one of those kind of core and essential services. And obviously, we would recommend coaches as well. But yeah, you know, of course. <laughs> but I think it's important to, you know, to Michelle even encouraged me. She was like, hey, you know, it would be good if you did more video. And I was like, oh, fine. But what's cool <laughs> reluctant. is... Exactly. Definitely reluctant. But what's cool, and it's really helpful for me, is like just even having Michelle who was like, hey, this many people watch that video. And I'm like, I had no idea that that many people watch that video. <laughs> um, and just kind of having, you know, we've talked about support and community. So it's like having people, you know, I think to a certain extent, sometimes it's vendors that you outsource to, but I'm a big advocate for networking as well. Because even if you don't have the money, sometimes you can trade and trade services. Yeah, good point. Um, and then know when once the business is more established, maybe you're purchasing a package kind of thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You really, you're right. You have to know thyself and outsourcing is great. And maybe, you know, maybe you have to end up in today's environment. Maybe you have to outsource to a, a couple different places that specialize in different things. You know, sometimes that's a good approach to marketing as well. Yeah. Because I think one of the things is, as we talk about entrepreneurship, a lot of times entrepreneurship is, is starting with a single person, right? Before it grows into a business. Yeah. So I think what sometimes people don't realize is like, if you work for a corporation or an organization, there's a lot of different people and different functions. But on the entrepreneur side, especially if you're starting on your own, you may or may not have employees yet, your network of other like business owners and resources is essential. Oh, yeah. Oh, so essential. Because it's just even having people that are like, you know, hey, I'm facing this. Are you facing this? And and across industry, I find just very helpful. Is that what they call solopreneurship? Just yeah. one person? Or yeah. is it you start with one and then you multiply? I mean, I don't I think Drew's better at the definitions. than I okay. But, you know, I, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs are solo entrepreneurs and let or solopreneurs unless they then choose to expand. And then having employee, and I'll say for myself, even though I've been a manager for most of my career, being a manager in my own business has been a totally different experience. Um, and when I have some reluctance about. <laughs> so there's that. Well, also, if you're utilizing services like marketing and CPA, you don't necessarily automatically need to grow and to like take on employees. If you're strategically using great vendors and business partners to fill in gaps where you don't have subject matter expertise and they're advising you properly, like, hey, like what kind of capacity do you have? What do you actually like do? like doing. You don't right. like video? Okay, well then TikTok's probably not your platform. Right. If you do not enjoy video. What other as you think about potential reluctant entrepreneurs out there or people who have a business idea but are feeling very reluctant, like what would you say to them? Or maybe even what would you say to Michelle of 2007? <laughs> Run. No, I'm just no. kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, I would tell them that they need to talk to people and find out 
if their idea is viable? What kind of resources do they have? What kind of, I would, well, okay. So one thing is I would encourage them to take like a personality test, really find out how they learn, who they are, what, what's their personality type? Are they, I'm not saying that you know, you have to be a certain personality type to be an entrepreneur, but it will help you understand what kind of resources you may need to pull in um, at the outset when you're starting a business. I kind of wish that, you know, I had done something like that at the beginning. I think that would have been helpful, but also to seek out um, different resources that are available. Like, for example, there, you know, here in our area, in a way, there's like the, if it's for women, of course, but the Women's Business Center, there's also like SCORE, which is of a national organization, but it's volunteer and you can learn a lot about starting a business. Talking possibly, not that you may have the funds, but a business coach <laughs> would be a good investment. And other business owners, like go to some networking events and talk to them about how they got started. What do they like? What do they dislike? What are their businesses? And then if you have a business idea, if there are other businesses in the same field, you know, take a look at their websites, their social media, talk to people about them maybe and see what, um, see what they're doing, you know, and beg, borrow and steal maybe <laughs> from other, you know, companies that might be successful in the same field. Because you just really need, of course, again, I'm a big proponent of learning, but you really need to learn about what you're jumping into. And it can be awesome and frustrating, but you really want to be informed before you make that jump. Now, a lot of us may not have time to be informed before we make that jump. But if that's the case, then you, you know, still need to learn and just try to make contact with people and learn about yourself and others. That's what I would say. And I think knowing that, you know, you perhaps resonate more as an introvert versus an extrovert. Yeah. So I think what's cool to also hear is just what an advocate you are for networking, obviously researching, but networking and tapping into kind of, you know, yes, doing the research, but the human resource. So, you know, I think that's important. And um, speaking of which, Michelle is also the perhaps reluctant president of her networking chapter as well. <laughs> well, I will. Yeah, in a couple months, I will be. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. And I've been on the board of another one, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's important to give back, I guess. <laughs> Not I guess. Yeah. It is important to give back. Well, and what I'll say too is just like what I find what's interesting as well. I think so, you know, a lot of times an entrepreneur we're focused on how you make money and how you generate business. Um, but what I will say is that um, you know, the experience I've had on volunteer boards is <laughs> though challenging at times, um, some of those relationships and the way that I know those people. So I think it's putting out yes, it's a time investment, but that's maybe for people who are thinking about their own business, not really confident networking, or maybe don't have a product yet, um, or something that you want to sell. I mean, there's a whole world of, um, there's a whole world of products and services or multi-level marketing that people can sell if they want to, but also whether you're in that or in your own idea, that who you're going to sell to and the networking becomes really important. And sometimes giving back or volunteering feels more authentic to people. Yeah, that that is true. I think um, people think of networking often as going and handing out your business card and expecting the phone to ring. And that That's not how I it learned works. really, really quickly that that is not the case at all. All. So yeah, volunteering, being part of helping the organization or helping the networking group grow is the way to go. That's how you get referrals. Handing out business cards gets you close to zero. Yeah. And do what you like, like sports, yeah. books, 
beer. You know what I mean? <laughs> like whatever. Like like yeah, go find your people. That new brewery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's interesting because you you had started talking about how you don't enjoy sales, but that kind of like give, I will give you my business card and call me if you need me almost seems extremely impersonal, very transactional, very sales heavy. Right. And I imagine everyone else that's, that has a business is like, yeah, I know I'm trying to sell too, but you don't right. see me coming across as a as a jerk about it or just like a soulless monster. Right. So how do you describe networking when obviously you're trying to sell stuff and you're in a room with a lot of other people that are trying to sell stuff and they're like, is there, who's my next client? Like making awkward <laughs> eye contact with people. Right. Right. Um, so when I first started in this whole world, uh, I, I'm, you know, I kind of reflect back to those first, I was in the Chicago area at the time. So those networking things or shindigs or whatever you want to call them were huge. Often we would have, you know, a couple, 300 people. Whoa. And yeah. And it felt like just terrible. Um, And I thought at the time that the goal was to sell and get cards and, you know, that this is what would happen. And it didn't pan out that way. And so over the years, I've learned that you just go into those networking events or groups or whatever, and you just have conversations with people. You just become interested in them. You just ask good questions, listen, offer your own information if they ask for it and develop a relationship. I mean, that's really that's really what it ends up being. I'm I can never you know, some people are really good at even selling at an event like that. Um, but usually the type of product service that they're selling is very short term. You know, it's maybe just like you said, it's kind of more of a really quick transactional kind of thing. Whereas what we're selling is usually a little higher ticket and takes longer to start, takes a lot of information to gather before we even begin a project. So it's really just more about getting to know people and them getting to know you, hopefully, you know, that's how I approach it. Learning. (laughs) Very cool. <laughs> well, and also it's so it reminds me of the sales training that the one of the quotes that David talks about is people buy from people they know, like and trust. Right. And so it's, you know, approaching networking events, not as some transactional process. Are you my client? But Are you exactly. my client? Are you my yeah. client? Um, that doesn't go as well. I feel like if you find clients there, it's because they already needed your service. Yes. But then they potentially would have found you another way. Right. And so from a relationship perspective, sometimes people don't even know what they need. Because I think that's one of the fascinating things about business. It's like, wait, what do you do? Oh, I want some of that. You know, so Jason and I went and we sampled chocolates and there's a new candle maker in town. So it's just like, you know, some of it is just like going and checking out to say like, hey, local business. What do you do? Can this be a part of my business? And then also just having like genuine enthusiasm and sharing, sharing that and kind of keeping in mind, like, um, you know, we're, we're all kind of, how do we support small? How do we support local? Not saying, not saying there's anything wrong with big business. I'm all about amazon.com. Feel free to keep ordering. That's right. Um, you know, but you know, I, I think that's important to kind of get out there, you know, seeing what people feel safe with in the COVID environment, but getting out there and, and figuring out like, how do you be involved in and support your community? Yeah. Whether that's virtual or actual. Right. Yeah. It's yeah, you're right about the no like and trust. I firm believer it's happened pretty much every time. And if they don't like us necessarily, they'll they at least know, you know, personally, maybe, you know, not all personalities 
I am not for everyone. Right. Exactly. (laughs) But they'll be confident in that we will come through with what we say we're going to come through with or that what we're talking about. So we can maybe eliminate one of those legs, but not all of not two of them. Right. That's a really good point, because I think sometimes that's why people don't sell is because they're afraid. Like, what if nobody likes me? What if nobody wants my product? (laughs) So the likability can be, you know, the one, you know, yeah, be competent, but you also have to be out there. Yeah. Um, But, you know, not everyone's going to like you. Sorry, Jason. I mean, I don't know what's wrong with them if they don't, but that's right. This is my life. This is my life. (laughs) Just finding out all the people that won't be my friends and don't like me. Well, this has been awesome. This has been really cool. Podcasting in person. Yes. In the heat. In the heat. In the California desert coastal heat. It is humid. It's a lot more humid for me than Colorado. That's all I can tell you. yeah. 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 True. So as we kind of wrap up here for today, anything else that you wanted to let our listeners know or impart any words of wisdom? (laughs) Oh, man, that's so hard for me. Other than motorcycle on the outside is awesome. Um, I encourage anyone to explore the world of entrepreneurship, even as a reluctant. You do? I know. I know. I didn't know this about her. (laughs) Explore it, I said. Um, Even though I am often reluctant, there are days that I wake up going, oh, um, it's not so much about what we're doing, but, you know, some of the other aspects that are less glamorous or whatever. Uh, but I, I, it's it's fun. It's a wild ride. You never know what the day or month or year will bring. And if you've been dreaming about taking the wild ride, give it a shot. You know, give Good it a point. shot. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. I don't know anybody who says entrepreneurship is boring. <laughs> right. And right? if it is boring, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I think. And okay. always learn. Keep learning. And keep learning. So, Michelle, where can people find out more about you? Uh, our West, bleh, our website is westvine.com. That's W-E-S-T-V-Y-N-E.com. And um, you should be able to find out everything. Of course, we're on social media, but you can start with the website. Feel free to reach out. Highly recommended. <laughs> Thank you. And... Diana told me not to ask her anymore where people can find out. She's like, we're, just, we're always saying the same thing. We're so together. We're on the halls of LinkedIn and we are also on HawthorneUnion.com. We will have links to everything in the show notes. Which is thankfully updated regularly by Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in and until next time. 